weeks of this so far, and basically the, the thinking behind it is to, to look at various areas or subjects and just ask ourselves, have, have, have we settled for less in this area? And do we need to, to go a bit beyond where we are right now? So we've looked at, in the first week, we looked at the, the issue of belief. And, you know, have we just um, settled on what we believe, but actually that hasn't affected how we live? And then we, uh, Chris spoke on uh, Beyond Words. Uh, and just saying, you know, do we go beyond just our words? How do we hear God? How do we interact with God? What is actually our relationship with God like? And then last week we uh, looked at, because there was a bunch of other stuff, some justice issues that were going on, we looked at Beyond Promises and uh, we had some of the uh, Vineyard kind of Just Action team up here telling us about how we can get involved in, in debt relief and, and just solving some of the problems of poverty. But this week we're going we're gonna to carry on in this, this kind of theme of going beyond and the title I've been given, I didn't ask for this, Chris, uh, he kind of gives these out, is, is Beyond Duty. Beyond Duty. Now, uh, I've got to tell you straight up, I hate the word duty. Anyone else? Anyone, when you hear the word duty, you get a kind of, you're like back at school or something. I hate this word. I detest it, okay? And maybe I'm slightly wrong and, uh, and immature and I don't have a correct understanding of it. And, and I admit that and, and that's okay. I'm happy with that. But I just wanted you to know that I, I struggle with this word duty. And uh, there's this strange thing. As an English culture, we're very much um, used to this concept of, uh, of our duty. And I think because we're a nation that um, has, has been so formed... Um, by Christianity uh, and by religion, that this, this, there's this concept out there, even though people um, might not ever talk about their faith or their belief in God, there's this thing out there of, of Christian duty. You ever heard this? Like some people will do something and they'll go, oh, it's just part of my, my Christian duty. You know? It's the kind of thing that you see Doc Cotton on EastEnders doing. You know? This is the duty thing. It's a very English cultural thing, this duty thing. I'm sure it's in other cultures, but especially for us, there's this, this thing of this burden of having to do the right thing. Oh, I'd, I'd better do this because I, I have to do it. And I hate that. To give you, a, I had to look up, make sure I was right about this. I, I looked up in the dictionary um, what the word duty actually means, and um, it means a moral or legal obligation. A moral or legal obligation. So when I, so truth, when I think of my relationship with God, my interaction with God, and the fact that I'm trying to steer my life after Jesus and after the life he lived, I never, ever look at it through the lens of obligation. I never think about it being a, um, a legal deal between myself and God. So I struggle with this concept of, of duty. I hate it because it, duty speaks of, uh, of payment. You know, like the uh, Inland Revenue, the, you have to pay your duty on things, okay? You know, when you go on, on holiday somewhere, you have the duty three, you know, where you don't have to pay stuff. And just this sense of having to do stuff. I have got to do this. If you're anything like me, it just turns me off. And I think part of what keeps a lot of people from coming to a church, from going anywhere near Christianity, is this sense of, if I go there, you're going to try and make me do this. I'm going to have to be like this, be this certain person. And I reject that. There's nothing in, in my relationship with God 
that is like that. But I'm aware that sometimes for us, this thing of obligation, of duty, can, can slowly creep in to the way we live our life, the way we follow God. This sense of, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian, oh, I'm connected to Jesus, so I must do this or I must do that. And I think this is a tricky area because in some senses, some of that's true. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, there are certain things God would say, this is your stuff. This is what you need to be involved in. This is how you need to do it. But actually, the, the tone of it is not one of obligation, but actually one of uh, you freely deciding to get involved in it. It's actually more to do with devotion than obligation, our walk with God. But I think sometimes, because they're so similar, we can get lost and we can end up just fulfilling what we feel is our duty before God. Instead of really living a kind of life that's just given to God, that's just poured out. I just, I just want to do what you want me to do because it's the best thing. So we're going to look at just a passage, well actually a couple of passages in some Gospels. Because Jesus was often asked the question, what do I have to do? And countless people, religious figures and, and, and Romans and, and all kinds of just everyday people would come to Jesus to hear him speak. But then also to have the chance to ask him a question, what, what do I have to do? What is my duty if you like. What are the things I've just, I've just got to do? And I think Jesus gives them interesting answers. So we're going we're gonna to look at those. We're going to go first to Matthew, uh, Gospel of Matthew and, and chapter uh, 19. It's going to be up on the screen. And, and I hope it's the same version that's on the screen that's in my Bible. But uh, let's read this. So it's Matthew 19 verse 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good things must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. Only God is good. But to answer your question, you can receive eternal life if you keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went sadly away because, of, because he had many possessions. This is a really interesting moment in the life of Jesus and often used to talk about various things. But I want to look at it in a certain way. I love just this, at any moment you get a dialogue between Jesus and someone and it's kind of just there presented to you. It's really interesting just to look at it. Because Jesus is all about accepting our questions and giving us answers. So here you've got this guy and he, he comes to Jesus and he he's, wants to know, what do I have to do? What's my duty? How do I get to have this eternal life you're talking about? 
And I like, just as a little side, he says, uh, Teacher, what good things must I do to have eternal life? And then Jesus says this, Why do you ask me about what is good? Only God is good. But then Jesus goes, But as you asked... And I like this like, assumption that Jesus is like, only God is good. And the guy would be like, yeah, you're right. And he goes, but as you ask me. And it's kind of this, this kind of sly thing of Jesus going, yeah, I'm God. <laughs> Ask me. And I like that. Just a little thing right at the beginning. You sometimes read and, and, and it just flows by you. Only God is good. But to answer your question, you can receive eternal life if you keep the commandments. Okay, so here's Jesus. Nice, clear, concise answer. The guy says, what do I do? What, what good things do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, y- keep the commandments. Nice and clear, right? But then the guy, and I, and I like this. The guy says, uh, what ones? <laughs> Which is kind of like our question sometimes, right? Like, I don't want to do everything. Like, I just want, tell me the, like, the ones I've got to do. What, what do I have to do to get, get in? You know, I mean, have I got to do everything, Jesus? I mean, come on, there must be like two or three that are the important ones. And Jesus says, well, Jesus lists a few, do not murder, do not commit adultery, honor your mother and father. And then this guy replies, he says, I've obeyed all these commandments. What else must I do? Now, here's a funny moment that you might read by and not, not even think about. Jesus says, what you need to do is keep these commandments. And then the guy goes, I've kept all them. But then he goes, what else must I do? This is a confusing moment, right? Because Jesus just said, you keep them, you're done. And the guy goes, I've, did, I've done them. What else? So I ask myself, well, what's happening here? And I think for me, what's happening is this guy, firstly, I don't think he kept all these commandments. I think he thought he did, but I don't think he did. But something happens. When you decide in your life... That to have a relationship with God is to just do certain good things and then you get accepted. When you do that, what happens is no matter how well you do it or badly or how much you try, what you're left with at the end, after that moment where someone praises you for being good or after that feel-good feeling, what you're left with is this sense of, it's not enough. It's not enough. And here's this guy essentially saying, I've kept all his commandments. But then he's like, but what else? And the thing about it, I don't know how you're doing it in your relationship with God. I don't know where you are. Some of you might not even be there yet. But maybe some of you, your relationship with God is in a funny place at the moment where you're coming to church. And maybe you're on part of a team here at a church. Maybe you're part of a small group. And you're doing all the stuff you have to do. But there's this nagging feeling of, there must be something else. This doesn't feel like the kind of life Jesus promised. And this thing about duty and just having an approach to faith, which is I must do this stuff, is it doesn't cover it. It doesn't do it. No matter how hard you try, it doesn't lead you into the life that Jesus has for you. Jesus came and said, I've come to give you life, life in all its fullness, life that just overflows. 
But many of us, we've settled for a life that is just doing the right thing. Because we're, we're Christians or because we must. And at certain points that's enough. At certain points that makes us feel good and it makes other people look at us and go, they are a great Christian there, they're a great person. But maybe for you this morning there's something in you that's like, it's not enough. This, it's not quite cutting it. It's not quite there. So the first thing Jesus says to this guy is, is keep the commandments. Keep the rules. But this just doesn't really work. It doesn't really work on its own. So he says another thing. Uh, he goes on and he says, uh, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went sadly away because he had many possessions. So the second thing Jesus says to this guy after keep the rules, he says, just sell everything. Just give all your stuff away. And there's this moment, you imagine, this moment of just awkwardness between this young guy and Jesus. Because Jesus is pushing him to go beyond duty. To go beyond what people say you have to do. And he's actually saying, look, there's a different thing you need to do in order to receive eternal life. In order to walk into the level of life that God wants you to do. And for this young man, because he was filthy rich... Uh, in, in, one, in another gospel, it talks about him being a young ruler, as if he, he, he has you know, land and subjects and, and immense power, not just wealth. He says to him, you know, just sell everything. Just give it away. And essentially what Jesus is doing here, he's pushing him beyond just duty and pushing him into essentially being abandoned to God. Essentially surrendering everything he has to God. Now the issue here is not money, okay? Sometimes, you know, this, this passage gets used to, to try and get some more uh, coins in, in the bank, you know. But that's not really what this is about. If the guy was, um, had his life filled with something else, Jesus would have told him to deal with that issue. But the thing about walking with Jesus, the thing about grabbing a hold of the life that God has for us is... We need to grab it with both hands. We can't have a hand on something else. If you have a hand on something else and there's there's something that's occupying so much of your time and and energy and dreams and effort, what you'll generally do is you'll have that and then over this side you'll involve God and what it becomes is this duty. Well, I'll have to do this and do that. But what Jesus came to offer us was a relationship with God where he becomes the foundation, the base of everything. And how we get that is not through doing stuff, but through surrender to him. Surrender to him. I, uh, ages ago, I was talking to a friend of mine years ago, and he was really, really struggling. Worship leader, fabulous guy, one of my best mates, and really struggling with God somehow. He just felt a major kind of disconnect. And he was doing the church thing. He was a worship leader. He was 
for all intensive purposes, a great-looking Christian. No, I'm not saying he's great-looking. You know, yeah. I'm sure he was. Uh, but something was funny inside him. Something wasn't quite there. And I said to him, look, James, you, you, oh, I've given his name out now. That's bad. Um, James Ella. Um, I said, look, you just need to surrender to God. He said, I how, do you, how do you do that? How do you surrender to God? I don't know. Tell me what I need to do to surrender to God and I'll do it. And I said, no, look, to surrender is not to do something. To surrender is to admit you cannot do something. When an army surrenders, it basically says, I cannot beat you. You've got bigger guns than me. We're not quick enough. We're a bit slow. We didn't really prepare. We didn't bring any weapons. Okay? We surrender. Okay? It's admitting that you just don't have what it takes. So when I say to you that in order to walk with Jesus, there needs to be an element of surrender in your life. What I mean is this. You need to realize that no matter what you do, no matter how you fulfill your duties, that is not enough. That will not get you a great relationship with God. Anything you do will not make God love you more. It won't. But what you need to realize is if you just surrender and say, God, look, I cannot do everything that you would require of me to do. You, uh, I just can't do it. I haven't got the juice. I surrender. And then you allow God to come in and begin to move and help you. So this young guy Jesus is talking to, Jesus basically says, look, get rid of all your wealth, get rid of all the stuff you have, sell it, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Surrender what you're trying to do. You know, just forget that stuff. And if you want me, I'm here, and, but you have to come and grab me with both hands. It's not about what little duty, what box can I tick to then walk with God. It's about actually, if you want this life, you need to give your whole self to it. And this young guy just says, you know, that he just went away sad because of his great wealth. Now, I don't know about you. If you went away from church this morning with great wealth, would you feel sad? Would you be like, oh, I've got great wealth. You know, oh, it sucks. But in this moment, this guy realizes that all the stuff he's got has got a great hold on him. But there's this ten- I think there's this tension there where he knows it's not doing everything, but he can't let go of it. So I imagine this guy goes away and he carries on trying to keep the commandments, trying to do all that stuff. But I imagine for a long time there was this, just this ringing in his ear of Jesus just saying, look, if you really want it, you give that stuff up, you surrender it, and then you come and you follow me. And I say for you guys this morning, if you are struggling in your relationship with God and it's become about duty and chores and what you must do, and you're wondering, why bother? Why bother? It's just rubbish. Then I would urge you to, uh, and this is going to sound dangerous, stop doing good stuff (laughs) and just look at where you are. And would you just see, are you surrendered to God? Can you say to God, you are what I want? You are what I need? Or are there other things 
that you're leaning on, other things that are the foundation of your life, because if they are, then you're, you're going to struggle sometimes walking with God. It's not that we can't have these other things. God makes plenty of people rich. You read the Bible, and if you go to some churches today, you'll hear it. But it's about where, where are you coming from? Is Jesus your baseline? Is your relationship with him and your dependence on him where you're coming from? Or is it this duty, the things you must do? Let's read a, another part of scripture. If you've got a Bible, you can go to Mark uh, chapter 12. Another moment for Jesus, another question. Jesus is actually getting uh, really quizzed. He's just had uh, some Pharisees, some Sadducees, some other Yassies uh, just come up and they're asking him all these questions. What do I need to do about this? What do you say about that? And this was kind of the job of a rabbi. Rabbis would go around, travel from town to town. Jesus was a rabbi, by the way, as a Jewish teacher. And uh, just would tell people in a way their, their, their doctrine, their beliefs, or what Jesus in his day was called his yoke, his teaching. So they would sit in a place and people would quiz them. The crowds would quiz them. What about this commandment? Moses says that. What do you say? It says in the scripture this. What do you say? We say we can do this on a Sunday. What do you say? And he would sit there and he'd answer these questions. That's why you always, you often see Jesus responding to these questions. It was a cultural thing. So Jesus in Mark 12 is, uh, is he sat, or I guess maybe stood, and he's been quizzed. And actually... It's been quite harsh. There's actually a group that are out to um, trap Jesus. They're trying to get him to say stuff that then they can twist and turn the crowd and turn the people against Jesus. Because Jesus is gathering some crazy momentum at this point. So it says this. uh, One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the discussion. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked him, of all the commandments... Which is the most important? Similar question to uh, the young guy. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So here's this question again. What do we need to do? What's our biggest obligation? And it's phrased in a bit more of a religious way, I guess, this time. Which of the commandments is the most important? And and back in the time of Jesus, because various things had happened, the Jewish people were essentially a people of duty. People who had these commandments and laws and their lives were um, filled with discussions about how you keep it. What do you need to do? What's wrong? What's right? So Jesus answers this question and his answer is really telling for me. Maybe you're so used to hearing this, you, you, you miss it. But Jesus is asked, what is essentially the most important thing you need to do? And his answer is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. It's very interesting to me that Jesus doesn't answer with a commandment about doing something specific, a behavioral commandment. 
But he talks about things that are a little bit fluffier, I guess. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Essentially, he's talking here about not duty, actual activities you have to do, but he's talking about devotion. Where is your heart? And he's saying the most important commandment, the most important thing you need to do is love God with all your heart. And he mentions these areas, you know, the heart, the soul, the mind, the strength. And essentially he's saying whatever you've got needs to be turned towards Jesus, God. Whatever you've got needs to be surrendered, abandoned to him. Essentially, you need to give everything. It's the same answer he gave to the young guy, the rich young guy. Give away everything. Slightly different phrasing here, but essentially it's the same thing. If you're going to know God, then the thing you need to do is to open up everything you've got to him. Give him everything. Be devoted to him. He doesn't say you need to do X, Y, and Z. You need to make sure you're tithing. You need to make sure you're part of this or part of that. He says you need to deal with the stuff that no one sees. The stuff of your heart. And this morning, if you're here and you're, like I say, struggling with God and wondering what you need to do, I'd say to you, have a look at yourself and see where is your devotion are you more devoted to the telly than Jesus? I, know, I struggle with this one. Um, are you more devoted to your husband or wife than Jesus? Are you more devoted to your career than Jesus? Are you more devoted to your children than Jesus? And these are scary questions because, you know, it's good to have a career, right? It's good to earn some money. You shouldn't feel bad. It's good to love your wife. Seriously. Buying flowers. It works. This stuff is good, but actually Jesus is saying, if you want real life, God needs to occupy the first space in everything. God needs to occupy the first space in everything. Devotion. Secondly, he says this. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And Jesus is doing a, a, a confusing thing here. Essentially, the guy has come up and says, what, what is, what's the one commandment we need to keep? And Jesus goes, oh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's two. Jesus is pushing his luck. God does this all the time. How dare he? He mentions two, right? He's asked what's the important, most important commandment. What do I, what's the thing I need to do? And then Jesus mentions one thing, and then he mentions another thing. Why is he doing this? Why is he padding it out? I think it's because Jesus knows that this second part, loving your neighbor as yourself, this is proof of the first part. This second commandment proves you're doing the first commandment. And this is actually the order of how you and I are supposed to act. Okay? So often we assume that God just wants stuff from us and it's our duty. So we, we, we try and do that. And that's nice. But suddenly when you don't do that, 
You can get this sense of, oh, actually, now God's not happy with me. But the order is actually supposed to be slightly different, where you give yourself entirely to Jesus. You begin to offer him all you've got. And then when you do that, what actually happens is, God comes in. When you surrender and you say, God, I haven't got the power to to do everything I need to do, help me. When God comes in, he begins to actually change your heart. Not in a freaky way where you wake up and you're different, but you begin, your motives begin to change. You begin to have compassion where you didn't have compassion before. You begin to be concerned with the people around you where before you, you maybe weren't. Because you were all about, I've got to do my duty. Get out of the way. This is how it's supposed to work for us. We're not supposed to fulfill our duty and then God comes. But actually we're supposed to give everything to God. And then we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Your neighbor, as Jesus said, is anyone around you. Anyone you come in contact with is your neighbor. And some of us, we try so hard to be Christian to our neighbors and to our friends and to the people around us. When actually, sometimes all we're doing is trying to fulfill our duty and we're using the people around us so that we hope God will feel better about us. But what God wants us to do is to be just completely and utterly devoted to him. And just be like, God, just take everything. Be involved in everything. In my health, in my finances, in my relationships, in my secrets, in my struggles. If we give all that to God, then God comes in and begins to change the motives of our heart. And it's then that actually you begin to serve God. Any one of us who has spent any time in the the presence of God, and what I mean by that is maybe during worship, maybe out and about praying and talking or reading the Bible, we've had a moment where we've encountered God. You'll know that that is a precious moment where something in you changed. When you get into the presence of God, you can't help but be changed. You can't help but walk slightly differently after that. And this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus doesn't want you just to tick the boxes to have the right activities. He wants you to be devoted to him. Because he knows if you just make sure that area is constantly being maintained, your heart will begin to be shaped like his. And all of a sudden, you won't just look at people and think they're in your way, but you'll think they're actually God's. And God loves them. And that person you're impatient with, you'll suddenly start to think, no, actually, they are annoying, but um, God loves them. I know because I've just been in the presence of God and his love was just amazing. It's so huge. The real measure of someone's spiritual health is how they treat others. The real measure of someone's spiritual health is how they treat others. It's not how well they lead worship, preach, lead a small group, how smiley they are, whether they help people with their shopping, all that stuff. That's maybe good, but the real measure really is are they given to love others and forgive others and help others? Because this is what happens when you spend time with God It becomes less about you and more about 
just, oh, I'm going to serve you, God. And that means you have to help other people because God loves other people. How are your relationships with people? Are there people in your life that you're bitter towards? Is there a neighbor in your life you hate? You hate. Is there a neighbor in your life and you don't know their name? You've lived there five, six years, you don't know their name. When we walk with God, we will be changed. And that will affect what we do. But you've got to realize that if you just walk trying to do stuff to get to God, you will just be disappointed. You'll be like that young man just going, what else do I have to do? This is not enough. Have you been doing stuff out of obligation and duty? Habit. Rather than coming to God going, I just, I just want to do what you want me to do because I know it's the best thing for me. I see, I follow Jesus. Not because I, I feel obliged. Not because they pay me to. Not because I get to do this. But because he is the best thing I've ever, ever found. And following even the simplest thing he tells me to do has made my life amazing. Not easy, not happy all the time, but amazing. And I long for you guys and I long to have a church that isn't filled with people going about their duties, but is filled with people passionately just given to God, just abandoned, just going, I will just be whatever you need me to be, God, because I love you. And I know if we do that, then we will just fulfill everything we need to do, everything we attempt to do through good works will get covered. It will get sorted. And I want to just urge you guys this morning and just let you know you can go beyond duty. But what it means is I'll give you a chance. Actually, let's stand up, actually. And if I can have the band back up, that would be really good. I want to give you a chance just to stand before God. Whatever state you're in, wherever you're doing well, you're doing badly, you don't know where you are, wherever you're at. I want to give you a chance just to stand before God and just maybe try something new. Try something different. Turn about face if you're just stuck in this duty and I have to. My friend Jim used to work here. He said, you know, we feel like we, well, he says the English are a nation who feel like there's lots of stuff they ought to do. They have to do. And he said, with God, there's actually things that you get to do. Wow, I get to do that? So I'm going to pray, and uh, if you want to agree, you can just agree to stand before God. But essentially, I'm just going to pray a quick prayer, and then I'm going to repeat the words of Jesus, of what you guys need to do. And you can repeat that, and just say, and if, if you, you think that's me, you can just say, God, I'm going to do this stuff. And you can go, and you can, don't resign from all your teams and everything, if you do stuff here. <laughs> but you can go and try something new. So let's pray. Lord, I lift everyone to you in this place. and uh, We don't want to serve you just out of duty, Lord. We don't want to do stuff because we feel we have to. We want to do it because we get to, because it is the best for us. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Amen.